Welcome to the ENA Podcast. This is the ENA Podcast, and this is Dan Campana, the Director of Communications with the Emergency Nurses Association, welcoming you to our latest episode, and also welcoming you and everyone to EMS Week. Uh, certainly, there is a, a strong bond and relationship between uh, the EMS community and the ENA community. So I want to talk a little bit about that as we you know, celebrate our partners on the EMS side and figure no, what better way to do that than to bring somebody in from the EMS Advisory Council, ENA's own group that really talks about that relationship. And um, I, I'm sure we can find out a lot more in our conversation here too, today with, uh, with Gemla Rezik, who is a member of the EMS Advisory Council. And um, certainly has a lot of experience in the EMS and ED world. And uh, welcome to the podcast, Gemma. Good morning, Dan. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. So let's just talk a little bit about your background. I mean, EMS and ED, they, they work closely together, but sometimes it certainly feels like it's a wild card of how good that is. But what is your experience, uh, both as an ED nurse, but also in relating back to the, the EMS community? You know, I think a lot has changed over the past few years, especially with COVID. Um, I think there's always been um, a struggle in the relationship between, you know, ED nurses and EMS providers, because we don't always know what the other one can do. Um, having worked in a lot of different emergency departments and being a paramedic myself, I see that difference where, you know, I'll bring in a patient and the nurses are, you know, questioning, well, why did you do that? Or I didn't know you didn't do this or, you know, it goes back and forth. And I think that a lot has changed um, and there's so much more that we can do to kind of build that relationship and make it a little bit more cohesive. So talk a little bit about what you've done, both in your role as an ED nurse, and I know you've had some leadership roles where you've had a chance to have a firsthand impact on maybe a little of what the perceptions are from the EMS side of what happens when they come into the ED. But I imagine you also have had the chance to help shape the minds of people in the ED to better understand what's happening when EMS rolls in. Absolutely. You know, we try to do ride-alongs at some of the facilities that I've worked in so that they kind of get an understanding of what EMS does, what the paramedic and the EMT, what their roles are in the back of a rig. I think that's important, especially as, you know, the role of the EMS and the pre-hospital provider is ever evolving. I think that um, by teaching EMS providers and also by having ride-alongs, um, you know, it kind of gives that a better perspective and it also kind of builds that relationship and trust between the ED nurse and uh, pre-hospital providers, which is so critical to patient care. So which side did you start on? Were you on the EMS paramedic side first, then came into the ED as a nurse? So I actually started out as an ED nurse and then I was a basic EMT, um, like a little bit after I started uh, ED nursing and then I became a paramedic. Okay. So what, 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 what sort of the response you got from the people that you've worked with or worked with at the time and said, well, why would you want to go do that? And it, how were you received on the other side, being someone who came from the ED to get into the, you know, into the paramedic and the EMS world? I think there was a lot of people that were surprised, especially because, you know, they were like, well, why would you want to go do that when, you know, you're already a nurse? But I think it's a culture shift. You know, as an EMS provider, I have a broader scope of practice than I do in the emergency department. I kind of have that autonomy, where in the ED, I didn't. And I think for my EMS providers, they were a little surprised, but my ED nurses were just like, well, that, that doesn't make sense. You know, why would you go backwards? It almost seems when really it wasn't going backwards at all. Just broadening my horizon. That's what I was going to say was the broadening of your horizons, yeah. because in a lot of cases, and, and me as a non-clinician saying this means only so much, but 
the EMS world, whether you're in an ambulance, you're in a flight setting, I mean, that is really austere medicine in a lot of ways, right? That doesn't always translate into what's happening in an ED. So you created a little bit of a bridge there, I would think, in some of your circumstances. You know, I used to be a charge nurse in the emergency department, and I also used to teach um, for the EMT and paramedic program. And I loved when, you know, people that were in the class would come in and they'd see me and they'd say, oh, hey, you know, I, I remember you or you taught this. And I think that was so helpful for them. But it also, you know, it it allowed us to kind of talk about things critically and say, oh, hey, you know, why did you do this? Or, you know, how come you didn't consider this? Not in a questioning or, you know, negative way, but almost in a, hey, let's critically think so we can kind of improve the next time. Sure. It's funny that you bring that up. I'm thinking back to uh, the first fall regional symposium that ENA did back in 2018 in Orlando. Mm -hmm. And there was an actual sort of mock handoff that was done and yeah. there's a little bombastic, like the first version was the standoffish nursing staff. There was the, you know, uh, uh, strong willed EMS crew rolling in, dumping and running sort of thing. And it was really exaggerated to sort of point out the worst of the characteristics that sometime come through. But then they worked through and they showed how to have a more effective communication, mm -hmm. you know, having a, a specific person who is liaisoning, if you will, between the, the crew and the ED staff. Um, you know, so how exaggerated really is that? I mean, do you get to, have you seen those scenarios where you get those really kind of siloed, you know, we're only here for what we're here. We're just, our common bond is only the patient or is it a little bit kind of blown out of proportion that it's that aggressive or, or difficult at times? I wish I could say that it didn't exist. I really wish I could. However, having been on both sides, unfortunately, that is something that does happen. I'll give you an example. I remember uh, flying a patient once to a trauma center and the staff at the trauma center knew me again because I was a nurse in that community um, and I was waiting to give report and everybody was quiet, right? Because we have to have that moment of silence, if you will, so that nothing is missed. Um, and so that worked out great. But then I can tell you other times, same hospital, same everything. My partner would go ahead and try to give report. And it was so loud. Everybody was, you know, there was, there was so much noise and nobody was waiting. And it was very uh, interesting to see the difference between who was speaking, whether it was somebody they knew um, because, you know, I wear that other hat or whether it was my partner who was the medic at the time who, you know, wasn't even from that area. Sure. So I think that it's unfortunate, but it really does happen. I'd like to say that it's getting better, but I think we still have a lot more that we can do to kind of build that relationship. And that's a great segue. When we think about the you know, ENA's EMS Advisory Council, it's really there to help identify the best ways that from the ENA and the emergency nursing side, there can be better support or find ways to better uh, relate and to get through some of those difficult times with uh, with an EMS or the paramedic crew. Uh, just for people who aren't familiar, talk a little bit about what the EMS Advisory Council is really charged with and, and some of the things that maybe are, are, I know you're new to the, the council this year, I believe. You know, So what are some of the things that interest you in it? Absolutely. Yep. This is my first year on the EMS Advisory Council for ENA. You know, some of the things that we're working on is really building that relationship between EMS or pre-hospital providers, excuse me, and the ED, um, but also that recognition. I think, as you mentioned earlier, that word silo, I think it's so important to recognize that because ED nurses don't always know, you know, the scope and practice and, you know, 
everything that EMS providers can do. And those are some of the things that we're working on. Also recognition. And we do have EMS week, we do have ED nurses week, we have hospital week, and we promote that and we talk about it, but really um, we don't work together as much as we should. And that's some of the things that we're trying to do as part of the EMS council to kind of bridge those gaps and you know, improve that relationship. So I'll, I'll put you on the spot with probably the two hardest sure. questions you're going to get. The first one will be, as an ED nurse, what is one thing that you could recommend to your ED nursing colleagues as a baby step, if you will, or maybe even something more significant that today in the ED, they could, with the first time, you know, somebody's rolling in off an ambulance, what they can do, um, you know, to foster a, an improvement in that relationship, regardless of what they've experienced in the past. I say this after having years of experience in both <laughs> roles. Um, I think that as clinicians, we sometimes, we do, we eat our young. I lied, we totally eat our young. And I feel like we can make such an impact so early on. Um, so one of the things I wish people would say or would do would approach the provider in a different way. So for example, you know, if that patient comes in with EMS and, you know, they don't have IV access or they, you know, didn't put the patient on a backboard or they didn't do this, you know, take the time to actually understand why, you know, we can learn from our EMS providers. Providers. I remember a nurse, um, you know, questioning why the patient wasn't on a backboard and EMS providers saying, uh, you know, we don't do that anymore. And this is the reason why, you know, evidence-based practice says this. And the nurse didn't have any idea, but it was like cutthroat right from the beginning. And I think that we um, create a bad taste in our mouth. Um, so early on, and that can negatively impact not only that person's career, but also the care that the patients get. Um, so every time EMS, you know, approaches you and brings you that patient, they're always going to be like, oh, well, I remember the last time I gave you a report and you were, you know, so <laughs> rude or questioning. Yeah. So I think it's important that we watch what we say and how we say it, because um, we don't know that impact we're going to have to that EMS provider and vice versa. Well, that was the, that's the second part of the hard question is from, a, from the, the EMS provider side of things, you're coming into someone's house, if you will, and you may be there once, you may be there every day. What is, you know, what's a piece of advice having lived that side of it that you give to, you know, your colleagues on that side of the fence when, when it comes to what do you do, especially if you're somebody new who's coming into an ED mm -hmm. for the first time. And obviously these are never under really docile circumstances mm -hmm. either. I mean, there's always a lot on the line every time, you know, an ambulance shows up or somebody's being rolled in, you know, it, it's not because it's a, a, a soft handoff. I mean, it's right. something pretty critical in most cases, right? Yeah. There's so many other moving factors that unfortunately, you know, the the ED providers, ED nurses, the clinicians, clinicians can't, um, can't affect, can't impact. So as EMS providers, you know, sometimes we just have to be patient. And I know it's so hard because we have to go back out there or, you know, we're getting pushback and feedback that, hey, come on, you got to hurry up, right? There's somebody else waiting. I think patience is extremely important because um, there's so many moving factors. But I truly, truly believe that we do need to work on the relationship between EMS providers and ED clinicians, especially nurses. I think that if we don't do that, we're going to have more burnout than we already do. And I think that relationship is not going to improve. And unfortunately, that is what's happening, especially as we go through, you know, as we went through the pandemic and as, you know, more issues arise in the future, if we don't learn how to bridge that gap and, you know, improve our relationship and how we talk to each other, it's only going to get worse in the future. And one other thing that kind of crossed my mind as we're talking mm -hmm. about communication is really how much happens before, you know, they even get mm -hmm. to the ED. You know, obviously inside the ED, there's the thought of triage and how do we prepare for the right course of, of care for this patient? 
Um, talk a little bit about that because I, I, I wonder if that sort of gets under, um, you know, under uh, underappreciated because the preparation for what's expected is probably as much as important as anything that's said once the, everybody's together. Absolutely. And, you know, as EMS providers, you know, our train of thought, we, we are meant, we are thought, we are, you know, how we think is, okay, let's figure out what the problem is. And then let's roll down that avenue, if you will, of, you know, treatments, causes, um, any, uh, any other things that maybe we're missing. Whereas when we come into the ED, a lot of times we get that questioning look like, well, that was stupid. Why didn't you think of this? And it's like, well, we only have a limited scope of practice. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think um, continuing that care and then understanding, well, why didn't you do this? Or, you know, I didn't have the ability to do this because it only took me five minutes to get there. And my priority was this, yeah. you know, and sometimes having that EMS provider in the room and talking to them as things are going and things are happening, um, not only helps the EMS provider for future cases when patients present like that, but it also gives them that opportunity to enhance their skills, you know, improve their knowledge, and again, work alongside ED nurses. Because there's also not really a great opportunity to debrief every time either, because they got to get right back out there for the next call and the next call. Um, so it, it's always interesting to think about that dynamic all the way from the first moment, the first mm -hmm. information's coming in to the fact that they don't get to stick around for very long, you know, on to, you know, mm -hmm. to figure out what, you know, what could have been better about that handoff or that particular moment. So um, it's a complicated world, it sounds like, but it sounds like there's also <laughs> a lot of opportunity for, you know, especially things like the advisory council to find ways to connect the, you know, connect the dots in better and improved ways. Absolutely. And again, there's so many issues that EMS providers have and ED nurses have that are so similar. And I think if we kind of bridge that gap, you know, work on our communication, um, we can kind of collaboratively tackle those obstacles together if we just have that opportunity to do it, which is hopefully what we're working on and hopefully what will start to come as we progress over the year and then, you know, later on with the EMS Advisory Council. So this is the, the, you know, this is the beginning of EMS week. Uh, mm -hmm. From an ED nurse's perspective, what's the best way you can show appreciation to an EMS provider when you run into them this week? Thank you goes a long way. It really does. Take the time to learn someone's name. Um, I know that sounds super silly, but so many times you're like, oh yeah, you, I, I forgot your name, <laughs> but hey, what was that? You know, it's, it's so important. I will tell you when people remember my name or, you know, give me feedback on, oh, hey, great job getting that IV, or hey, next time, maybe you should consider this. I think that that feedback is so important. And the fact that somebody took the time to remember my name um, means so much more than anything that somebody could tangibly give me. Sure. Well, like you said, a little goes a long way, especially in a, in a high, high anxiety, high stress world that both EMS and the ED uh, you know, offers. So uh, Gemma Rezek, I appreciate you being a part of the ENA podcast and appreciate you uh, and, the, and the EMS Advisory Council's work to, uh, to help build those relationships and really uh, connect, you know, the people that are, are so crucial in those early stages of the, you know, of, of care when somebody comes into the ED. So thanks for being a part of the podcast today. Thank you so much, Dan. Happy EMS week to everyone. So that'll do it for this episode of the podcast. Uh, we appreciate uh, all the, the EMS providers that are out there that uh, certainly uh, interact with EDs and interact with ENA in a variety of different ways. And uh, we know that uh, when it comes to EN Week, the EMS providers are always very uh, thoughtful and appreciative toward, uh, toward ENA members and certainly the ED nursing community as a whole. So uh, it's a little community all of its own. Thanks to everyone for listening to this episode. We'll be back soon with uh, another episode of the ENA podcast. And there's a lot of good stuff coming up. 
So if you're a regular listener, I know you won't be disappointed. And if you're new to the podcast or you're from the EMS world and you're listening, uh, we hope that you stick around and catch some of the great things we've got coming up down the road. Uh, this is Dan Campana, and we'll catch you next time on the ENA podcast.